Well, that was definitely worth waiting for. <laughs> as you think about Christmas and you think about what it's all about as we prepare ourselves for Christmas, we've been talking about knowing, knowing the Christ of Christmas. We've talked about really waiting for him. And, of course, that first Christmas they had to wait 400 years that there had been silence from God uh, between the writing of the Old Testament and writing the New Testament. It was all about praying. Often every prayer of a devoted um, covenant person of God was to pray for the Messiah to come and then hoping. And as we've heard from John, there's a reason where hope is more than, than an option in life. Some have said that you can, you know, you can spend a few days without food, a few, uh, yeah, a few more hours uh, without water, uh, a few seconds, maybe a couple minutes, if you can hold your breath a long time without air, but you can't spend... Probably any time without hope. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for being the one who gives us assurance when things happen like lives ending in their 20s or even earlier. Or as uh, John and Pam are facing uh, with Benny struggling with their health, um, those who have even lived long, but the days are obviously numbered even more so in our awareness. But Father, the good news about Christmas is that you sent your son to, to give us life. Life abundant and full, but life uh, that will last forever in the presence of a God who loves us and cares for us. And as John has shared, it's, uh, hope in the scripture is not wishful thinking. It's an assurance of a truth that will come to pass. And we just pray as we think about how that all uh, began in terms of, of nailing it down for us who, who wondered if, if there is a God in the midst of all creation and if that God uh, cares about us and if that God is noble, uh, it became clear at Christmas. And Father, we pray as we think about taking it a little bit further this morning, not only preparing for Christmas, but preparing for, preparing for after Christmas, that you might speak into each one of our lives, wherever we are in our journey with you. Some this morning might not be very uh, far in that journey. They're still looking at God and, and not really sure that he exists or that he cares or that he is knowable. Others have made that step but have drifted. Uh, others who are excited about their faith and yet uh, they're challenged by the, uh, the future uh, or those who are even full with joy this day. We all can be drawn closer to you. And we pray that we might, each one of us, take that next step that is found uh, for us to take as we think about that this morning. And we pray that in Christ's name. And all God's people again said, amen. amen. God wants to speak to us. In fact, that's why he's given us this big book. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm out on the street and, I, and I'm lost, I've had that few experiences many times. And, and when uh, someone uh, is there to help me and they give me instructions and, and all of a sudden they rattle off all the things and maybe they're kind of like me and they speak rather quickly or fast. I, I don't catch everything. And so then I say, will you please write it down? And really that's what God has done for us. He just didn't simply blare out some message over the, the loudspeakers that are found in heaven, but, but he wrote it down so that we might not only hear it once, but we can hear it over and over and over again. And when we think about Christmas, in many ways, Christmas is, is like a message we've heard before, and we've heard it before, and we've heard it before. And sometimes the closer we get to a message that we've heard many times, we begin to lose its significance for what it should mean in our lives. 
And so this morning, I entitled our two-week series, Preparing for Christmas and Preparing for After Christmas, because it, it's important for us to realize, well, what happens after December 25th? Uh, I don't know about you, but, but uh, looking ahead to Christmas, thinking about all the decorations that have to co- go up and all the gifts that have to be wrapped and, and put underneath the tree and all the things that Alice does and I watch her do, you know, I, sometimes it just wipes me out, you know. But, but, then, but even then, I, I think, well, now, now it's after Christmas. Have you, have you ever had the Christmas blues? You know, like, oh, man, now, now what, you know? And now those things that might have been a little bit of a chore to put up, it's even more of a chore to what? To put away and, and to bring down. So, so this morning what I want to do is I want us to think about what's it like to be prepared for after Christmas. And really kind of blends with being prepared for Christmas. But it's really understanding again that simple message that, that God not only announced through the words of the prophets, but also the writings of the prophets that we might really know what it's really all about. And so if you have your outlines this morning, you might be able to follow along. It's a very simple message I want to share with you today. But it's really preparing for after Christmas. Now, for some people, they really don't get it at all. I was reading a recent survey uh, about views of Christmas in, in America. And now one pollster said that 51% of Americans now believe that Christmas is not a religious holiday. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is for them. I guess it's just the lights and the trees and the food and everything else. But it has no connection with even the word Christmas. You know, the word Christmas is a compound word, Christ, which really has uh, the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament word Messiah. And really, this, this, was, this was something that the Jewish people, the, the, the people that God had announced the message of the promised one to come, and the word Christ or Messiah simply means anointed or promised one. And so it's about a person. And if we miss that, we might have something to do on the 25th of December, and we don't know what exact day Jesus Christ came, but it's really about Christ. The word mass is kind of a debated word in terms of what that means. Some people believe it's from the Latin word mission, so it's the Messiah's mission. Probably has more of a connection with not only as we think about Christ coming to the cradle, but he also went to the, the cross. And so as they, they celebrated Christ, they, they celebrated not only his birth, but his death and his resurrection and the payment for us. It's, it's remembering the, the Lord's Supper and you know, using a fancy word, the Eucharist, which is the, the gift that God has given us. But, but what is Christmas for you? Because if, if you don't have a hand on what Christmas is for you, you're, you're not going to be prepared not only for this Christmas, but what comes after Christmas. So I, I just want to kind of bring us back to that, that first Christmas. And in many ways, you look at the gospel story, which is really what the four books in the beginning of the New Testament is about. It tells us the life of this man named Jesus, who some called the Christ. But much of it is not about his birth. It's so much more about his life and than his death and then his raising from the dead. But it all had a beginning. It all had a beginning in what we call Christmas. And so if we're going to be prepared for Christmas, how, how can we do that? And your outline says, how rich are we? That simply means, I, I, I didn't proofread very well. It simply says, how, how are we to prepare for after Christmas? And I want to put it as simply as possible. It's all a choice. Life is made up of choices. And how we choose to live after Christmas is going to be filled with choices. Well, 
Let me give you choice number one. Choose to fully believe that the Christ of Christmas has come. Choose to fully believe that the Christ of Christmas has come. You know, whatever the percentage of people who don't look at Christmas as a religious holiday, uh, I remember reading about this one story about these shoppers and they were out and they heard these carolers and they got all upset with these people singing carols. I don't know what we were upset with. Maybe they didn't think they were on tune or maybe they didn't like the content of the carols, whatever. But they, they, they just screamed out, how come all these church people are ruining Christmas for us, you know? You know, I, I don't know if you're on that side of the, you know, the, the pendulum in terms of how you look at, at Christmas, but, but even if you're on the side, like, well, yeah, it's, it's all about that little baby in the manger. Well, well, some people believe in that story. It's a great story, isn't it? But do you fully believe in the significance of what that story is all about? And if you're struggling about fully believing, which is, which is investing all of your life into that Christ of Christmas, you're in good company because even at that first Christmas, they struggled with it. And even the woman who was given the, the privilege to give birth to the Messiah, Mary struggled with it as well. And there's reasons why we would struggle with it. It's, it's, it's too good to be true. It, it's hard to wrap our mind. How could this actually happen? So, so looking at your outline this morning, just seeing what's in there, let's look, look, at, look at Luke chapter 1 uh, for a moment. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And all the names of Jesus are significant. As you think of Jesus, it simply means Yahweh saves, God saves. And so he had a mission. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And just looking at those words, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling. Wait a minute, you're, you're talking, I'm going to have this child, and this child is going to be significant to the point that he will be great. Mega is the word in the original language. He's, he's going to be a mega person. And the reason he's going to be a, a, a great person is because he's going to be the son of the most high. And, and she's, she's trying to wrap her mind around that. Well, how, how is that to be? Because God has said he shares his glory with no one, and yet I'm going to have a son who will be so connected that he'll be identified with the one who's full of glory? This makes no sense to me. And then he will be a king. Here I am, a, a lowly peasant girl who just got engaged, and, and now I'm going to give birth, and he's going to be a king, and his king won't last for a period of time like a, a generation, but it will last forever. It will be not only a son, but an eternal son. Her mind is just racing. I'm in the presence of this angelic heavenly messenger, and so something's happening, but I'm supposed to not only believe this, but fully believe this? Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Okay, let's just get back to the beginning. Christmas is about a, a birth of a child. You know, one thing we all have in common here, there came a point in our lives where we were all brought into this world, that we were birthed by our parents. And there's a natural way that happens. There's a biological, physiological way that happens. And, and Mary said, that, what am I, this, how can I give birth to a child when I've had no relationships with a man? 
And the angel answered, verse 35, and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, again, she's saying, okay, so the Holy Spirit's going to produce this child within my womb. Now, for most of us, if we're going to believe in something that's unbelievable, we want something to believe in that, that gives an indication that this might be true. So God says, okay, so that you can understand the big miracle, I want to tell you about this little miracle, comparatively, that, I, that I've already actually done. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her, what kind of age? Old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Now, we all know this, too. There, there comes a time in life when women are incapable to bring birth into this world. And Elizabeth was way beyond that period of time. And so as God is, is desirous to, to draw Mary into not only believing but fully believing, he said, let, let me just give you a glimpse into the, the miraculous power of God. You know Elizabeth and Zacharias way beyond the ability to give birth. She's now in her sixth month. And, and, and now she didn't have to believe that by faith. She could believe that by sight because that was true. She was great with child. But then the angel says this, which is at the, at the crux of being able to fully believe the miraculous story of Christmas. The angel says, for with God, nothing will be what? Impossible. Impossible. What are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about the miracle of Christmas is the miracle of the virgin birth. And for some people, they stop right there. And say, okay, I don't mind believing that story. It's kind of a neat story around Christmas time. But after Christmas is over, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to believe like that's true at all. And the, the other 11 months, you, you live like there is no miracle at Christmas. But let me ask you, if there is a God that brought all this into existence, is anything too impossible for God? If the Bible says that God brought everything in existence by a word of his mouth, as we look at all the things that we see and enjoy, when you see those sunsets and sunrises, when you see the miracle of new life, when you see the love of a, of a, of a family to other members in their families, you see the love of God manifest in the lives of other people, and you where did that come from? And we need to understand that the the essence of Christmas is that God did the impossible. He invaded history and communicated to us so well that God became a man. At that point, Mary, who had, was there at Christmas, but she lived years after that, she began to be prepared for after Christmas. And it says very simply, And Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Well, let, me, let me try to put it where we now have to come to that point where not only do we believe, but do we fully believe. Let me throw out a couple things to consider. When you come to the point of being prepared for 
after Christmas, which means that the message of Christmas revolutionizes and changes your life. You got to come to that point where you're convinced that it's true and that you will live your life based on that truth. Well, how do we we wrap our mind around that? Well, let let me ask you to consider two things. First of all, consider the experiences found in Christ, and then secondly, consider the evidence that's found for Christ. Now, probably every one of us here, the, the reason that we're here uh, is that we, you know, we might have come for the dedication of Hannah Grace. We might have come here because it's a family experience. We might have come here because we thought maybe the roof would not fall on us or whatever it might be. It, but we're here because we have people that we know that says that, that say to us that they know God. And not only do they really believe what they believe about God is actually true. Now, what's amazing about the experiences found in Christ, it's, it's not restricted to a certain age group, and we're going to look at a number of different things. Uh, many people come to that point where, where they're asked the question, uh, do you believe in the man in the red suit? Have you ever had that question asked you? I won't go any further than that in case some of you are still in that, that pattern here. Okay, But usually people who believe in the man in the red suit that usually only lasts up to a certain, what, age. Do you know people, now you might believe that, that, they, that, that what they believe is not true, but do you know people beyond that certain age who still believe that Jesus is the Christ? I mean, it, it, I mean, it goes through every age, doesn't it? From young to middle age to older to the oldest. How do we account for that? Because some of them have experienced Christ internally. It, as you think about the experiences found in Christ, it's not only tied, not tied to an age, it's also not even tied to a culture. Uh, people are incurably religious. Even the people who say they aren't religious, don't believe in God, they usually do believe in God because when something bad happens, they do what? They pray. I mean, it might, it might help, right? So people do pray even when they don't believe. But people are incurably religious around the world. But if you really examine it, just about, if not every other faith is almost strictly tied to a certain type of culture, isn't it? They, they start dressing a certain way. Much of them they have a certain ethnicity. There, there's a certain thing that ties them culturally to what they believe. When you look at the uniqueness of Christianity, it is everywhere. Some of us just got back from the Philippines. And one of the things that I find when I'm in other countries and I, I meet other Christians, I, I'm just amazed that they have the same thing, that same relationship that I have, and yet everything about them is different. Their language, their culture, what they eat, what they do, all kinds of things are different. But what is unique if they've encountered the living Christ I, I dare say that for every one of us here, as we wrestle with the, the first point of being prepared for after Christmas, not only do we have to wrestle with the story recorded for us in this big book, but if we choose not to believe, what we are saying to everybody we know who does believe, that you're believing in a lie, that your experience is not true. It's not valid. And not only to the people we know, but all the people around the world. And not only people around the world, but all the people throughout every generation in the history since Jesus came. 
the reason I came to faith in Christ is I encountered people who were different than I was. I, I could see Christ in them. And it convinced me that I wanted to have what they had. But not only consider the experiences of Christ, but, but consider the evidence for Christ. And we could go through all the prophecies this morning. We've done that in other messages. And we could go through a variety of other things. But, but you know, it's interesting, moving ahead, there was a man who spent a lot of time with Jesus. His name was Thomas. In fact, he has a nickname he's known as Doubting Thomas. And uh, the other companions of Jesus had, had, had seen Jesus face to face. And he, he just told, I am not going to believe until I can just put my hands where he's been crucified. But the, then he encountered the living Christ. And, and, and at that point, he, he just proclaimed, my Lord and my God. I, I want to submit to you that, that I, I, I believe that, that Thomas was convinced that Jesus was who he claimed to be, fully believing that because he became convinced that this man who said he would rise from the dead three days later did. You can go to every other world religion and the leader of the one who brought that into being. And you can go to their grave, and that person's in the grave. You can go to the Holy Land. You can go to, to Israel, and there's an empty tomb. Consider the evidences for Christ. One of the passages that always strikes me is found in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Uh, and the word signs really has the idea for miracles. He, he, he cleansed every leper that ever came to him. He, he fed the multitude. He, he did the miraculous. And he did that for the purpose of them understanding that he was like no one else who had ever lived. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, is the promised one, is the Messiah, is the one who came to take away our sins, the one who came to save us, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. One of the things that becomes convincing to me is if, if this were true about the Christ of Christmas, that, that God invaded history, the Holy Spirit created a life within the womb, and this life within the womb was the Son of God. And, and then he lived 33 years here on this planet, and he, he gave convincing reasons for people to not only believe but to fully believe. Ask yourself the very simple question. If God became a man, what would he be like? I can tell you one thing, he wouldn't be like me, <laughs> and he wouldn't be like you, but he'd be just like Jesus. Even look at the Christmas story, and Jesus was proclaimed to be the Messiah, the, the, the King of kings. You know, Jesus had a birth like no one else's birth. Jesus had a response, even from people, again, in the world had experienced that. You, you look at the wise men, why would, why would three magi, or probably more than three, come and worship a child? Why would a, a powerful man like Herod be threatened by a little baby? Why would there be a man sent to, to herald this little person who was going to change this world? Why would this man who would be put on the cross, when they put him to the cross, that they could find nothing that he had done wrong except to claim that he was God? See, 
If God were to become man, he'd be just like Jesus. He would do the things no one else could do. He'd, he'd be born in a way that was miraculous. He would conquer life's greatest challenge, death. He would be the one who could be predicted from the past and it was made clear that he was the one in the present. He'd be the one who could change lives. Not only physically, I once was blind, but now I see. But people who were, who were bitter and angry, like the Apostle Paul, and, and making him a person who would, who, would, who would shower love on those who had persecuted him. How do you be prepared for after Christmas? Let me put it simply. You need to make that choice where you fully believe that, that the Christ, the promised one, has come. But as we go into the days after the, the 25th, one of the ways that will evidence that, that we really have encountered the Christ of Christmas is that we'll cho- choose to tell people that the Christ of Christmas has come. You know, it's interesting, as you, as you look at, again, the story of, of Christmas, much is of a, has been recorded for us about what happened after. There was a man named John who was, who was called to, to be the herald, the proclaimer, the preparer of the way for Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, we have these words. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. See, people who have come to the point where they fully believe, they they can't hold that message to themselves. They want that message to go out. John the Baptist, who's who's a unique individual in so many different ways. He was the preparer of the way. This is what the Bible said would happen when the Messiah would come. And he's like that herald made with that, that, that whatever ring that is and just going, you know, he's coming, he's coming. You know, hear ye, hear ye, the Messiah has come. But he had a very simple message and, and, his, and he had a, a very clear responsibility. He was to prepare the way. I was just thinking this past week, I've had a conversation with Dean Ulrich, and he's had times where, where people who have come in who are celebrities and maybe presidential uh, things coming in L.A., and, and the amount of preparation for bringing in someone into L.A. area is just immense. Uh, one, they got to make sure everyone knows this president or this senator or this vice president is coming, and then they got to make sure there are no rocks in the road. Now, in that day, there were actually rocks on the on the roads, but but he needs to make sure that everyone that his journey is is paved in the direction that needs to happen. Now, when John came, he, he didn't he didn't actually move rocks. Actually, he he told people they had to come out into the wilderness, come from their comfort zone into the place where he was at. But he was heralding the message. He was proclaiming the message. But he was also preparing the hearts, not the road, but the road to a life. And the message was very simple. you got to make a choice. The word for repent literally means to change your mind. It means that you realize you're going one direction, and now you got to go to a different direction. And that's really the point in which people come to faith in Christ and then are prepared to proclaim the message of Christ. I was going one way, and now i go, I got to go a different way. 
Each one of us came to that point in our lives and are still in that point in our lives where what am I going to do with Jesus? Jesus even asked that question, who, who do men say that I am? And some, well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're a teacher. Some people think you might be you know, Elijah. And, well, who do you say that I am? And at that point, they were at the point of, well, what do I really believe? And what's that message that I might tell to others? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We've had a variety of ways. We at Grace Hills Church have been trying to get the message out. And a couple weeks ago, we, we did a thing called Operation Grace. And the word grace simply means gift or favor or kindness, help. And uh, we, we just uh, went and bought some food and went into a particular place in our community and just went door to door just passing out food. And, and uh, we gave an invitation to, to come to uh, you know, any of our services. We, we we gave some messages about Christ, but we simply wanted to show love. We got a card in the office this week, and one of the secretaries that started reading it started crying when they read it, but I don't know why people cry, but. <laughs> this, is what, uh, I, this is what the card uh, that was sent to us said. I just wanted to thank you. I have recently lost hours at my job and have had a hard time and was trying to figure out how I was going to make ends meet and have groceries for a week when someone from your church came to my door with a bag of food and I can make a box of pasta last a week. Thank you so much. Why would we do that? Why would we want to give of ourselves, our time and our resources? Because the message of Christ changes people's lives. And so as you think about being prepared, not only for Christmas, but for after Christmas, have you come to that point where you fully believe that you're, you're convinced that this is true? You, you've, you, we've all have people in our lives that, have, that say they've experienced Christ. Is, are, are they, are they uh, somehow deceived or is it true that God has changed them on the inside? Hey, consider the evidence of Christ. What would God be like if he became a man? Would, would he be just like Jesus? The story about the resurrection, is it true or is it fanciful thinking? All the things were predicted about this one who came. But did this happen by chance or, or is it beyond imagination that it could all be fulfilled in one person? Unless it's true. And then if it's true, are, are you compelled to that point? You want to be like a John who just wants to get the message out. That people know that he has come and, and remove any barrier for, for people to see that he really is who he claimed to be. The last thing this morning, this really quickly. You know, choose to fully believe that, that the Christ of Christmas has come. Choose to, to tell others that the Christ of Christmas has come. And then thirdly, choose to do what needs to be done since the Christ of Christmas has, done, has come. You know, John was the one who was to get the message out. But even he, at, at times, it was just, it came to the point where, well, what do I do with that for, for my life? In, John, in Luke chapter 3, we have these words. Now, the people were, were in expectation and all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. I mean, John was such a significant, the Bible says he was the greatest man who had ever lived up to that point. And, and they thought, well, maybe he's the promised one. But John answered and saying to all, Indeed, I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I am is coming, who's, 
whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Those who had been brought to John were baptized, and then as Jesus came later on, they were, they were baptized again. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat in the barn, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire, which, which is the hard message of Christmas. There, there will those who come to him and experience God's fullness, and then there are those who will reject him and experience his judgment. But the point I want to just touch on just for a moment, he said, you know, uh, this one who has come, I'm unworthy to even untie his sandal. Now, there have been times where I've helped people get their shoes on, (laughs) you know, untied them or tied them. But for for a Hebrew, this was was beyond even the role of of a servant or a slave. You, you were not to stoop so low to, to even take off someone's feet and to say you would untie it. It was, it was beyond imagination. But he says, I'm not even worthy to do that, which is the lowest of low. Because the humbling thing about the message of Christ, it's, it's a humbling message. Jesus did not come to, to help those who were well. A physician, a doctor, does not come to those unless they recognize they're sick. And in John chapter 3, he put it this way. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Really, there's only two stars at a wedding. It's the bride and the bridegroom. Everybody else is to, to just celebrate in their joy. But then he made this statement. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must what? Decrease. See, be prepared, being prepared for after Christmas to recognize throughout your life, if you're going to be a Christ follower, is it's, it's not about you. It's really about the one who made you. And not only made you, but died for you. The one who gives you life to its fullest. And you know, the, the great news is that when you decrease and he increases, you get all the benefits. Let me ask you this morning, are you going to be prepared not only for Christmas, but for after Christmas? Have you come to that point in your life where you not only believe, but you really fully believe? It's not just wishful thinking, but you are convinced that the promised one has come. And he didn't stay in the cradle, he went to the cross. And he did it for the purpose that you might have life that only he can give. Have you come to that point recognize that, that you have a, a purpose here in life, and that's to get the message out? And third, more than anything else, you need to recognize that the, the Christian experience is recognizing it's, it's really not about us. It's about him. And, and then when we know the one who's come for us, then we, then we have life in its fullest. Let's be prepared, not only for Christmas, but for after Christmas. Let's pray. For some this morning, that step is to say, I've been on the outside looking in. I want to give my life to the Christ of Christmas. I want to admit my need and, and turn from my sin, the things that are wrong in my life. 
I want to believe fully that Jesus is the one who came for me and died on the cross and paid for all my sins and rose again. And I want to commit to follow him as my Lord and my God. And I just want to close in a word of prayer before we receive offerings to the King of kings and Lord of lords and as we continue to worship. But if you don't know the Lord Christ this morning, I invite you to pray this very simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to know you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life right now. I want to follow you. And when you pray that prayer and really mean it, then Christ will answer that. If you already know him in a fresh and new way, just be fully in on the one who's come for you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.